Oh, Lord God, we thank you that you shape our lives by the Word and by the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, we pray that they will, those two, by the Word and Spirit, you, they will unite in our lives and they will create synergy in life. And, uh, Lord, continue to shape us, your people. Make us beautiful in your sight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning I am entering where I fear to dread, or I dread to fear, or whatever that is. Anyway, uh, I'm going to be addressing LGBTQ questions, Uh, and the reason I say that I I fear to enter this is because I know that I'm going to disappoint you, some of you. Some of you are going to be upset that I didn't, you know, say more, and some of you are going to be upset that I even talked about it at all. And I am certain, even on my own level, that when I am done, I'm going to be able to go back and think and say, oh, you know, I should have said that better. I should have been more clear here. I should have been, maybe I needed this, if I had said it this way, it would have been a, a more fair. Um, last Sunday, I announced uh, what I'd be talking about today, and I, am, I, I was so moved because several of you came up to me and said, I'm going to be praying for you this week. And I really have counted on those prayers. And, and, and this morning, people came up to me even that, other than that and said, I've been praying for you this week. And I just want to say thank you. Uh, you know, Faith Westwood is like most churches uh, and certainly like most United Methodist churches in that we are not of all one mind about these questions. You know, quite a number of you have spoken to me in the last few months or you've sent me emails. And so I know firsthand the wide range of opinions and convictions that are represented here this morning. You know, even in my family and in my extended family, there's disagreement on on whether same-sex marriage is what God wants for us. The United Methodist Church has been struggling with these questions for nearly, I mean, virtually all of its 51-year history. In the Great Plains uh, Conference representing Kansas and Nebraska, we have over a thousand United Methodist churches. I'm guessing that close to 98% of, uh, of them are like ours. There's difference of opinion. People are not all in agreement. I have here uh, a page that I tore out of the Omaha World Herald on March 12th. Uh, it's a full-page ad that was sponsored by four uh, United Methodist churches here in Omaha objecting to the outcome of February's general conference. And, 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 if, and I've been asked here, at Faith Westwood, why wasn't Faith Westwood a sponsor of this? And my reply is that in these four churches, everybody pretty much agrees. Those that disagree have, have already left for other churches. And there are a few of you here today who came from one or the other of those churches. Uh, Those four churches represent uh, the Reconciling Network, an association that advocates uh, resisting and reversing the denomination's policies that that don't allow same-sex weddings or uh, the ordination of persons in same-sex relationships. I've been asked... um, if Faith Westwood would ever become a reconciling church. And I say, I don't know. Forever is a long time. Uh, But I would say that based on the current makeup of this church, I think it's unlikely. 
because, like most churches, we are not of one mind. Since I've been here at Faith Westwood, you know, um, a few people have left this church because they say that we were too liberal on these issues, and some have left because they say we are too conservative on these issues, and, or they, or, and some others have left because they, they felt that the denomination was too liberal or too conservative uh, on these issues. And I know from my conversations that some of you are mulling it over right now. You're not sure if you can stay in a church that doesn't take a strong stand. You know, as I told uh, two families that left, I, I talked to two families this year that have left now for opposite reasons. I told them, I respect your decision and I know it wasn't easy. So my purpose today is not to sway the debate, is not to convince you of one uh, persuasion or another. My purpose today is, is to lift up the unity uh, that we have in spite of our differences. Because we have a lot more in common than you may realize. Um, and so, and, and I'm, uh, I will not say, though, that your, that your convictions don't matter, because they do. But I also believe that our unity matters. I also want to say that uh, today's message is going to be arranged differently than what you're used to me doing because you know that most Sundays I just have one big thing to say, one big point, right? Today you're going to get the full menu. <laughs> uh, I, I want to share with you a list of things that I think that we can agree on about LGBTQ questions. Before I go further... Though I want to speak to those of you who have same-sex attractions or your gender identity aligns with one of the letters, uh, LGBTQ and INA. I, I, I've had conversations with a few of you. I hope, to have, I hope to visit with more of you. And I want you to know that I am your pastor. I will listen to you. I will not judge you. I will be honest with you about where our church is and where the denomination is. And, and I will say as clearly and as compassionately as I know how that we are your family. That we are your sisters and brothers in Christ. From the scripture reading that Laura read for us a few minutes ago, uh, John, in John 15, 12, Jesus says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And he, he didn't make any exceptions there, did he? Let's say those words in green together, shall we? Love each other as I have loved you. And in what way are we to love each other? Notice how high he sets the bar. He says, as I have loved you, love each other that way. Love each other that much. And that brings us to our first point of agreement, I believe. Uh, whatever your sexual orientation or gender identity, we're going to love you. You will be loved here. We don't agree on everything. But we do agree that you are family. You know, I've been here, this church, coming up, bumping up close to nine years now.
And you have never heard me bash anyone or any group of people. And, and, you're ne- and you never will. And if I, if I hear any bashing going on, I'm going to step in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to squash it. Because the last I checked, we're all sinners. We're all in need of grace. And one more than another. And to go a step further, here's another thing that, another point of agreement uh, that I think we can build on. We want Faith Westwood to be a safe place to be out. For example, I, I want our students to know that if they find themselves same-sex attracted, that they're not going to be insulted or ridiculed or dismissed for saying so. I mean, think of the songs we sing. We sing, just like I am. Come as you are. And we sing those songs because we mean it. Because Jesus has told us that this is what we have to do. We have to love each other. I think it would be good just for a little bit to pause and clarify some terms that, that I'm going to be using today. Uh, when I use the word gay or the letters H, uh, LGBTQ, um, I'm not necessarily talking about a person's relationships. I'm not talking about a person's behaviors. When I, when I use the word gay or, or the letters, I, I'm merely referring to the direction of a person's sexual desires or their gender identity. And that seems to be common use. Um, and, and just so you know, for the sake of time, I'm, I'm going to be leaning more in, in my language talking about same-sex attraction, but I don't mean to leave out gender identity. Now, it may seem obvious, but I think that it's worth noting that when Jesus said to love each other, it assumes that we are in relationships with each other, right? Love assumes relationships. And that's why I believe that we can agree on this too, that straight people need friendships with gay people. And most of you just kind of take that for granted, but for some of you this might be shocking, but straight people need friendships with gay people. Uh, Forty years ago, one of my best friends uh, told me he was gay, and I remember the afternoon that I sat with him, and I put my arm around him as he, as he wept and sobbed, sharing his story. He and I were roommates on choir tour, He sang at my wedding. He died a few years later of AIDS. We need these friendships. And I hope we can all agree that the direction of our sexual attractions is not chosen. I didn't choose. You know, who I'm sexually attracted to. Neither did you. And, and, you know, I've talked to a lot of people, and, and I never found anybody who said they, they actually chose it. Uh, and as far as I know, it, it doesn't really change either. I mean, there used to be a Christian uh, ministry called Exodus, Exodus International. Uh, it was committed to helping, helping gay people reroute their desires. Uh, after a good long, I mean, a lot of years of this, it finally shut down and apologized for the harm they had done. That saying, I do know gay people who have been successfully heterosexually married. 
Years ago, one of my gay guy friends told me that, you know, for him, the idea of marrying a woman just seemed like a pipe dream. He was sure it was never going to happen. And then, lo and behold, some years later, he married a woman. Now, not everyone could do that. Not everyone would do that, but he did. Still, I hope that we can agree that, that same-sex attractions are not chosen. Now, what part's based on genetics? What part's based on experience? Who knows? So here's what else uh, I, I believe, and, and, and that is that what we don't choose cannot be sin. And that's why I suggest that we can all agree that it's not a sin to be gay. Uh, that is, it's not a sin to have same-sex attractions. Now, we may not agree, and we don't agree here, uh, on whether same-sex intimacy is what God wants for us, but we can agree that it's not a sin to be gay. A couple of months ago, I listened to a powerful podcast. The moderator was interviewing two Christian gay men uh, with opposite stories. One was not raised in the faith. Uh, As a young adult, he was an outspoken activist. Uh, outspoken gay activist. Amazingly, he experienced Jesus, gave his life to to the Lord, and and later as he explored Scripture and and listened to the Spirit, he came to the conviction that same-sex behavior was not what God wanted for us. The other guy grew up in the church and was a very active uh, leader as a youth, and when he, he began to realize that, that he was attracted to other guys, uh, he tried to deny it, he tried to pray it away, but eventually, uh, when those things failed, he, he accepted it, and he came to the decision through Scripture and, and other conversations, and he came to the conclusion that God was okay with same-sex relationships. So, we... I listened to the podcast. We had two people coming from opposite beginning points who both took a long journey to arrive at opposite conclusions. And what made that podcast so powerful was was the sympathy they showed for each other. They, They had such a respectful conversation. They found points in common despite their differences. And despite our differences on how we read and apply Scripture, I believe that we can all agree here at Faith Westwood that LGBTQ persons are welcome here. As I've said, they're already a part of our church. Earlier this month, I met with uh, our Guest Connections team. Those are the the ones you see out, and they're they're greeting, and they're ushering, and they're coffee serving. And and, uh, I I was asked to come in on that Saturday morning to give a, a segment and, and address the question of whether the United Methodist General Conference changed anything for how they're supposed to show hospitality. And I said, hey, if, if a same-sex couple walks into our church, welcome them exactly as you would welcome any other couple. And if they ask about matters, matters of policy, I mean, you don't, you don't have to give the answers. You don't need, you don't need to worry about that. Just, just welcome them like you would welcome members of your own family. Yeah, we are United Methodist Church. And yes, that means that our denomination doesn't currently allow same-sex weddings, and, but our church does welcome LGBTQ people. We receive LGBTQ members. I told the Guest Connections team, 
You may not notice if someone is transgender, but if you do notice it, try not to be shocked by it, okay? Try not to just react. Just, just welcome them as you would welcome anybody else. Recently, I listened to another podcast featuring a young man who happens to be an extended relative of ours, uh, though I haven't seen him since he was a kid. Um, in the podcast, he shares how he was a once sexually active gay man, and, and now in his Christian journey, he, he has come to believe that celibacy is the choice that God would have him make. Well, one thing in that he said I found fascinating. He said, there, there is sound biblical rationale on both sides of the question. And he realizes that, that people who reach a different conclusion than, than, than his conclusion, they, they often have good reasons for doing so. He said the argument has both sides. And that's why I hope each of us can say that Christians who disagree with me may have good reasons. Christians who disagree with me may have good reasons. So assume the person sitting next to you uh, uh, with a different viewpoint, just, just assume that they, are, that they are trying their best to understand the Scriptures, and they're trying their, their best to figure out how it applies to their lives and in their, in their relationships, just like you are. And despite what social media would lead you to believe, the person who disagrees with you is not the enemy or an idiot. I know a pastor and his wife who do not agree on these sexuality questions. They both think, they each think they're right. Neither is convinced by the other but they respect each other's conclusions and they respect each other's reasons. Our previous bishop, Scott Jones, says that of a hundred things he believes, he will concede that uh, there are a few of them where he's probably wrong. He just doesn't know which ones. He says if he knew which ones, he would change them. And when it comes to sections of her questionality, um, Here's another thing uh, that I think we can agree on, okay? Yes, live out your beliefs. Yes, hold to your convictions. And now I want to share with you the statement that may be the most controversial thing I'll say all, all day today. None of us knows with absolute certainty if we're right. You know, there's no moral question that I have studied on more and prayed about more than this one. I've invited lots of conversations with my colleagues from all different kinds of persuasions. I've read books. I've listened to people's stories. I, I, I've read multiple understandings of, of key scriptures and, and tested them to see if they would hold up. I have reached a conclusion. And yet I may be wrong. My best friend, my best pastor friend in the, in the Great Plains Conference answers these questions on sexuality differently than I do. But we still call each other up. 
We still have lunch or dinner together once in a while. We still pray for each other a lot. At an annual conference, we'll be sitting together as we always do. And today, here we are, together in worship, God's people. I have one more thing to say, one more thing that I think is important for us to agree on. We are united by our faith in Christ and his good news for all. Let's say it together, shall we? We are united by our faith in Christ and his good news for all. The good news, we call it the gospel. It is the message that changes lives. It is the message that transforms the world. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. Jesus has come to deliver us from the dominion of darkness that destroys us. He has come to make us a new creation, redeemed, restored, reborn. That's what unites us. And I will tell you that God is doing something extraordinary in this church. I see people becoming disciples. I see people growing as disciples. I see this church representing Jesus and how we are serving the community and the neighborhood. I see the love that God has put in this church that, that he has poured into us, that we pour out to each other and to, and to our neighbors. I see uh, people reaching out to others as a blessed friend. You know, I've been around a lot of churches in my day and I can tell you this doesn't happen just everywhere. God is doing something big around here, and I believe it is getting bigger. And I believe it's worth sticking around for. What do you believe? Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, we confess that we are tossed about on these questions. We uh, are easily confused and, and our lives are disrupted. We're, we're uh, trying to understand how we get along with each other, how we get along in our family relationships, how we, what it means to be a, dis- a faithful disciple, Lord. We, and, and we are just not together right now. But Lord, we ask that you will hold us together by your power and your grace and the love that you pour into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Give us a, a respect for one another. And Lord, we pray that, that somehow that this will all be a witness, that our ability to work together, to be, to be one body in Christ despite our differences will be a sign to the world, real, that you are alive. And so, Lord, we, we come to you calling on you. We need you so badly. And we put our trust in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.